Hey everyone, I invite listeners to have a kiki with us, grab a drink, get cozy as you are about to delve into my mind and the inner machinations of my animated self. Right, now that I have your attention, we're talking about a topic quite dear to me as an eccentric bisexual working class Filipino student. Yeah, I feel like my experiences are quite valuable to this topic and I feel like I could share a lot of things that, so I feel like I have some things to say. With me is my honoured guest, Martin Lewis. Hiya. So who are you? Tell me a bit about yourself. Um, my name is Martin. I uh, finished three years of university at Liverpool Hope doing sport and exercise science. And now I work pretty much full time as a bartender. Just for the audience to have context, what is your ethnic background? Oh, I'm a mixed race. My mum is Chinese and my dad's white British. And... We both kind of grew up in kind of like village places. Like I live in Weston, and he lives in Scam. Lived I, in Scam. I, I Sorry, Scam. <laughs> you lived in Scam. <laughs> so thank you for joining us no today. Problem. We'll be um, candidly discussing like student life as a person of color, like sharing our experiences with a variety of topics from our own experiences and like our friends too, who are also from the BAME community. Right, so let me be honest, it's not going to be some boring ramble because nobody likes to talk about hard topics. Like, it always kind of gets swept under the rug. So I'm going to keep it casual and light friendly for the first half, you know, when it is to be relaxed, funny, just sharing our experiences because if you don't laugh, you'll cry. Mm. (laughs) So like, I just kind of need to like look at these experiences and be like, yeah, I learned something from this. <laughs> so, going to be covering topics like nightmare dating experiences, um, our incredibly character building experience when we used to kind of live kind of opposite each other, mm. um, in our in my foundation year and his final year, um, we met a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of people, whole bunch. And I'm going to specifically focus on parties because we met the most interesting people in there, and they had the most interesting thing to say things to say to us and my friends. Finally. The dreaded subject that whole of society likes to avoid. Our personal experiences with racism and our honest <gasps> opinion. Oh my god. <laughs> Shaking. Oh my god. So, dating. <laughs> Personally, I've had some rough situations. I can't lie to you. Like, I had my little Tinder and Hinge dating app career in first year because, you know, that's kind of like the thing that everyone does when they go to uni like it's just known it's the thing it's the thing like if you go to uni you're probably gonna you know you go you go down one path or the other and i went down the one path <laughs> i think i've actually seen it all like um so uh for example i was coming back to my flat from my family home about two weeks ago i was scrolling through instagram and found a little secret button i guess and saw that i had like honestly like hundreds of messages from all these men that have acted like they were acting like they'd never spoke to a woman before and i was just like honestly i don't reckon some of them had no same like i feel like it's honestly scary how some of them speak to me so for example there was this one guy who was just like he messaged me and he was just like your life also matter (laughs) and if your first thought is confusion you'd be right because at first i was just like huh then when you put it into context it gets more messed up this was like after the summer of the george floyd protests in 2020 and he was just kind of like because he saw me he saw that i was an ethnic minority and attractive and thought yeah the 
this is like, this is a great pickup line. I'm going to tell her that her life also matters. <laughs> yeah, that'll bag me a wifey. No. Go home. Get out my DMs. Never speak to a woman again. <laughs> it's not on. It's literally not on. I don't know. Like, moving thoroughly on. <laughs> I'd just like to hear any experiences that you had, whether they be positive or negative, in your dating career during uni. Well, if you're looking for experience in dating, I can promise you I don't have it. If you went down the one path, then I definitely went down the other. I was somewhat of a recluse when it came to university. Like, I never really went out, never really, like, went on the pool. I did have Tinder and stuff, but that never really took me anywhere until we actually matched. So Yeah, we do like have, that. I have that for one us. experience and largely very positive. A holy, whole, a whole, very positive. Wholly very positive. Because we literally celebrated our first year anniversary of the day. Shout out a Tinder success story. Happy anniversary. <laughs> Happy baby. anniversary. So, like... Um, Tinder isn't all bad. I think we both just got very lucky. Because mm. <laughs> we didn't, like, actually look at each other, fetishize each other. It was just kind of, like, a genuine connection. Genuinely organic. Homegrown type of yeah. relationship. Yeah. Very, very positive. I'm glad that you had to have a positive experience for your first relationship. Thank You're welcome. You. <laughs> <laughs> so, on to our next topic. Flat sharing and the people we've met in social situations. As I said before, like in parties and stuff. I have this one flatmate. Um, the only ethnic minority in my flat alongside myself. And I have noticed that she does act. She does have to act like a different way around them. And because it's a majority white flat. It's a classic case of code switching. I found myself doing this a lot because I grew up in a mainly white area. So I felt like I had to act a certain type of way. Um, This is called code switching, which I learned in sociology. Did you experience any of this type? Um, No, I've never really code switched for white people. Yeah. I think part of that is due to the fact that, you know, obviously I was born in China, but I was raised here. And in such a fashion, I never really like had this culture clash in my upbringing like it was yeah. very british so i kind of just talk how i talk and i feel like as a man i'm kind of afforded more respect in that way in mm. way the people interpret me they don't really expect a specific kind of addressing or whatever so i kind of just get away with talking to people how i've just talked to people my whole life and it's worked out for me so far uh another little context thing is like he used to live in the flat adjacent to me as i previously mentioned and we met a whole bunch of characters, like from all different backgrounds, um, kind of learning from their experiences and about them as a person. Like I'd have a lot more down to earth conversations, like very candid, just them opening up to me and me opening up to them about kind of our experiences. <laughs> Cause we've had some experiences with some ridiculous people mm. um, who just don't know how to act around ethnic minorities, I guess. And they just don't know how to act, period. Period. Like, honestly, it's very idiotic. Like, it's disheartening. It is, it is. Cause it's just kind of like you were raised like that. So it's just embedded in your personality like there's nothing you can do to change that i'm just gonna ignore you peace um another little anecdote of mine is when my flatmate international student we used to throw a lot of parties like we were the party queens <laughs> i invited martin to one one time um one of the guests like somebody that she just met by the way was just like they called her exotic when they heard her accent and she was just like am i a parrot like the whole fetishization thing is insane like honestly I experienced it myself people don't like to believe that I'm from the area, Nosley slash Merseyside, because, like, they want to get down to the nitty-gritty. They're like, okay, Blasian? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, my God, don't be so rude. You don't say that to someone you just met. 
Like, honestly, like, <laughs> did you have any experiences where it was just like, oh, why would you say that to me? <laughs> oh, on a day-to-day basis at work. Like, as a bartender, the number of times people will ask me where I'm from and I'll say Liverpool. And then yeah. they'll, they'll look at me for a split second and then ask again, where are you really from? It's reached a point when people ask me where I'm from, I ask them. Like, where I live or where I was born. Yeah, same. I've gotten to that point now, too. Because you need to make the distinction. Yeah. Because it's just kind of like, I know what you're really trying to ask. Just say what you have to say. Just say what you want to say, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm sorry, but, like, have certain people actually considered that there are other experiences different to theirs? Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> personally, as an empath myself, I find this hard to believe, honestly. <laughs> Like, please just broaden your horizons a little bit and learn how to speak to people of, like, different backgrounds. Learn how to pe- <laughs> learn how to speak to people who don't look like you. Yeah, exactly. I feel like that's a critical that's skill that a lot minimum. of people, like, skipped over or something. Like, that's an optional module. Like, no, <laughs> do the reading. <laughs> now that we've spoken about all the fun stuff, I think this is a perfect time to kind of segue into our political ideals. Now, have context. Me and Martin are quite dissimilar in our politics. Like, we kind of sit on different sides of the spectrum in terms of, like, political ideals. Like, I'm very, like, not liberal. I'm kind of centrist. I used to be a hardcore feminist when I was 16. Hardcore, though. But I also love Drake. So what was that about? Like, that's very contradicting. (laughs) Um... But yeah, I grew up into being more of a centrist, but I'm also kind of really left-wing, whereas Martin, yourself, how about you? I'd say I'm kind of a radical anarchist with mm-hmm. conservative tendencies. Mm, so you're not, like, a conservative? Oh, no, I'm definitely not conservative, but there's certain aspects of socialism that I, I just can't get behind. I get you, because it's, it's not for everyone. We do kind of usually agree on most things, though. Okay. It's just kind of weird because we basically do have different, very different approaches, but just the same kind of ideals. Like, we're both not racist. Let's get that clear. We're not racist I mean? and we both believe in human rights. Yeah, essentially. So, so I feel like we get along like a house on fire. There's not that much to actually argue about. Yeah, do you know what I mean? <laughs> okay, so personally, I feel as if I'm subject to abuse on the streets a little more as an ethnic woman. Like, I know that women in general do just go out and get cackled. Like, as an ethnic woman, I kind of hypersexualized from a young age and seen as kind of different, like a different flavor. She's new, she's foreign. Like, I've started to see it, like, with my little sister now. They'll just catcall my little sister. And it's just like, I grew up with this, and it's just gross because, like, grown ass men, they'll see you in a school uniform and just be like, woo, woo, like, leave me and my sister alone before I literally catch a case, honestly. It's not a cosplay. I'm underage. Yes. Move swiftly along. <laughs> um, so I guess, like, did you kind of experience any, like, fetishization? Because me and my sister, a lot of, if I speak to any of my ethnic friends, especially the women, they most certainly have. I, I mean, I definitely have been fetishized. I feel like I still am to a certain degree. Never to the same degree that you have as a woman. I've never been catcalled, or I guess, would you call it dog calling? I guess. I've never I've, heard that before, but I know what you mean. Either which way. I've, I've never been on that end. But with the whole worldwide takeover of BTS, the number of times that white women with Asian fetishes have, have looked at me 
and seen Jimin or John Cook or someone and used that as like the basis for them liking me is yeah kind of sickly yeah it's honestly exhausting isn't it, it just doesn't feel very nice it's just not to fun. be viewed as like somebody's potential idol replacement it's 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 just the fundamental aspect of someone looks at you and sees someone else and that's just that weird is attractive <laughs> to them like it's the complete wrong way to go about social interactions yeah essentially like i'm not gonna pres- obey to this image that you created in your head i'm my own person like we're not a squid game person okay <laughs> <laughs> like that's another crazy thing like when asians kind of we've reached like kind of high popularity what is it what is it about like squid game people like honestly it's honestly so racist i hate it moving swiftly on during your like three years in university did you experience any racism um in terms of experiencing racism i can't say that i was ever personally attacked with it like i don't think i've ever been looked at differently as a student of color that being said though i definitely saw it in my day-to-day what with hanging out with my friends who were ethnic minorities most of them are actually black and it was it was it was kind of scary to see because i could go into a shop on my own and i'd get treated just like any other guy but as soon as i walked into a shop with them it almost felt like i got treated like them by proxy like we'd have security guards staring us out down the aisles of a tesco and it's just like mate but it's it's just the stigma that comes around with them and honestly the the worst part about it was how indifferent my friends were to it because it was something that they'd experienced all their lives and internalized and gotten used to yeah. and and i think that was the saddest part of it all saddest and craziest part honestly how do you feel about the protest thing i can't say i'm a big fan of them can't say I'm an advocate. Just because I feel like they've reached a point now where they're worn out. Because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's the old notion of the more times you do something, the less effective it is. Yeah. And it seems that these days people are coming up with new and more reasons to protest. And I'm not saying there isn't a place for it in society. But I am saying that these days it seems more self-indulge- self-indulgent and performative. It feels like people are doing it so they can say that they're doing it. It feels like people are doing it so they can say they're an activist. Yeah. Walking to work and I'd, I'd see like a, a free Palestine protest. And, you know, I'm all for a free Palestine. I was very, very anti-Zionist years before this even became like a mainstream issue. And it's just one of those, like I look at it and I see all these people with all their signs and their flags and, you know, all their chants. And I just can't help but think about how much the Israeli government does not care. It's just not, like, a movement I can get behind because it was so, like, when Tesco and Spotify, all these big companies were just, like, Black Lives Matter, what they're doing it now with Ukraine. And it's just very, like, what is that doing? Are you actually helping the victims of the event? Are you spreading awareness? Which is very, again, performative and right. (laughs) (laughs) So that got a little heavy. Just a little bit. Just a bit. Um, I think this is a perfect time to wrap it up. Wrap up the Abby and Marty party. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in, listening to what these two goons have to say about the topic of race. Um, this is Abby Nolasco and... Martin Lewis. Bidding you farewell. Chat to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.